Good evening. Welcome to Element City Church. Whether you're here in the house or joining us online from your house, we are waving to you. Welcome. Glad to have you a part of everything that uh, is Element City Church. And so just a couple things as we get started. Uh, if you are new, uh, we are so thrilled and honored to have you here. We know it takes courage coming to a new place, and so we would love to connect with you. And you can connect through our app, uh, just filling out a connection card that will email us. We would love to email and connect with you, and so you can get back to us that way. Uh, and that way we can kind of follow up, kind of let you know a little bit about how to get connected around here at Elements, answer any questions you might have. If you're online, there's a, a button that says connection card right at the top, and we have some amazing hosts that are there online that will welcome you. They're, welcome, uh, they're happy to pray with you if you need that tonight, and we'll be happy to pray with you at the end of the service tonight. And that was a loud motorcycle that went by. Did you all hear that? Did you hear that at home? I don't know. Okay, but uh, so that is our connection card. We'd love for you to fill that out. Our app kind of travels light, goes with you wherever you need to go, a way to stay connected. So a couple things we want to highlight. We are moving out of our offices, which is very exciting because it's going to save the church some money. Um, and that's exciting. But at the same time, see, we've been working remotely. How many of you have been working remotely? Raise your hands. You've been doing that for a little while. We've been doing that since, obviously, March and April time. And we're just realizing we're not utilizing the office as much as we used to. And so on October 24th, we are moving out. So here's my big pitch. If you have a truck, I love you more than ever. If you have muscles... I love you more than ever, and we would love for you to help us. I know I just asked you to bring a truck in to move, and that's the opposite of why you bought a truck, um, but I'm asking uh, if you have a truck, you can help us October 24th. If you just go to the app, to the event, you can actually sign up right there, kind of let us know you're coming. We'll provide some snacks and water. We're going to try to do it all in four hours, get things relocated to our storage unit and here as we try to centralize some of our stuff here at the church campus. So that is a one way that you can help us in a great way. And for many of you, you've been bringing in hand sanitizer. We got a call from Mr. Parks, who's the principal at Catalina High School, and they wanted... 60 different bottles of 32-ounce pump hand sanitizer. So for those of you who brought it in tonight, thank you so much for that. Uh, we've got one more Sunday for you to help out with that if you want to help out. I did hear that Fry's has 32-ounce BOGO offer. So buy one, get one. So if you want to help out uh, with that, and any extras will be kind of given over to John B. Wright Elementary School as well as they get ready to go back into hybrid learning here toward the end of this month. So... Again, we are thrilled to have you here. Uh, you're going to love not only the whole worship set, but the first song in particular. It's a new one. You're going to enjoy it. It's one of my favorites. And so as we stand, I just want to pray. And so if you're here in the house, stand up. If you're at your house, I don't know if you stand or not. So it's, that's Scout's honor on you. So, um, But let me pray for us as we get started. We're praying for To Go Christian Church and Pastor Aaron Scott. He's the church of the week. That's the church of the week. They meet around Midtown area in town, and they kind of move around. And so they're a, kind of a new church plant, and we want to ask God's blessing over them. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Grateful for all the ways you watch over us as a church. May you continue to guide us to be everything you want us to be. 
Father, would you guide wisdom and discernment and clarity for the season that we're in and that we're navigating. Continue to help us to be a church that reaches out to the, the partners that you've given us to connect with and to help and to support. Thank you so much for the ways that we can do that through food distributions, through the hand sanitizer, just different ways that we can give back and be your church. Uh, and to help people know that they're noticed and that they're loved. And we want to pray for To Go Christian Church tonight. And Pastor Scott, we ask your blessing over them, their leadership team. Their, uh, give them wisdom and clarity in their planning purposes. Would you bless them with the resources and the, uh, the capacity that they need to make a difference, to reach people for you, to bless those that are a part of that church. We ask your blessing over them. And Father, this evening, we just lift this whole next hour to you and ask that, God, would you move through the power of your spirit to move our hearts, touch our hearts, whether we're in our living room or we're hanging out in this room. God, would you meet each one of us in a specific way? And all God's people said, amen. I search the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fade But never enough And you came along And put me back together Is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you.
just one word The darkness has to retreat Just one touch I feel the presence of Just one touch My eyes were open to see My heart can't help there's nothing that our God can't do There's not a mountain that He can move Oh, praise the name that makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do Just one word You hear what's broken inside Just takes a word just one word, and you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but
From the clouds you speak What was faith now is seen Jesus the image of The invisible God
Father, we stand before you. We worship your majesty, your glory, your holiness. For there is no one like you on the earth, in heaven. You're the one, you're the only one. So your people come before you, Lord, and we worship you, we adore you. We lift our praises for you. presence and by your presence we are transformed Lord so we can be more like you so tonight Lord we ask the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and transform us and make us new and renew us renew our covenant renew our relationships our promises given to you Lord we are yours and we are waiting and we are open So God, may your will be done tonight. Oh, you are always welcome here in the hearts of your people in this congregation. We love you, God. We praise your holy name. And we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name, Jesus. And let the people say, Amen. <laughs> That was my favorite amen <laughs> ever. If you're not here, one of our youngest. If you uh, are logging in from online uh, and maybe for the first time, I just want to welcome you. And uh, it's an honor to have you in the house and, and tuning in with us. And if you're a first timer here, um, we do know it takes courage coming to a new place, and so I hope that you can sense through the worship and through a little bit of what we're going to look into God's Word in the, the Scriptures tonight, and ending in worship, that, um, that God's presence is moving and, and He wants to interact with you and, and touch your heart. And You know, often, if you think about first, um, there, there's a lot of firsts that just kind of happen by happenstance. Uh, they just kind of occur. Uh, maybe you remember the importance of them. Maybe it was the first time your team won the championship. Maybe it was the first time in high school that you, and you were on the team, and you won the championship, and you still remember what that celebration was like. Maybe it was the first date that you had with your spouse or your fiancé. 
Uh, maybe it was the first new-to-you car. Uh, how many of you remember your very first car that you had? And you remember driving it home. Maybe it barely made it home, but it made it home, and it was the first one for you. And you remember it. It's something, I, I remember Amy's first car, like, it talked to you. It was like, the door is ajar. Like, no, it's a door. Um, but, like, it, would, it's just, it was weird. Um, but, like, maybe you remember your first day on your new job. And all the feelings that come with that. Maybe you have been a part of church and you got to go on a mission trip. And you remember your very first mission trip that you got to be a part of. Maybe uh, you remember a first vacation that you got to take with your family. Or maybe the first time you went to a new restaurant that you actually, like, it wowed you. And you started telling people all about it. People get captivated by the first. It becomes memorable. And so often, uh, they are often just by happenstance. It just kind of plays out that way. That's the first time, and it becomes memorable because it is the first time. But sometimes, first can be really intentional. And as a parent, uh, how many of you are parents? You, you remember writing down the first words or noting the first steps or the first accomplishments, maybe you put them in a book or you save them in some ways, and maybe by your third or fourth one, you're like, eh, forget it. Um, at least that's how it played out in our house a little bit. But the first one, like your first kid, the first time they walked, like all those firsts were memorable and they were intentional and you, you remembered that. Maybe you remember the, the first of like the first time running a new meeting at, at your job. And it was the first time you were in front of the people and you put a lot of thought into that. Maybe you're a teacher here and you remember your very first lesson prep that you did. And maybe even now with Zoom, like you remember your first Zoom lesson prep and how you had to do that differently. Or maybe the first restaurant or movie that you chose for the very first date of the person that you happen to be married to now and you think back to how much intentionality you put into that. And where I want us to go tonight is to look at the, in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 4. Uh, Luke has kind of been laying out some of these first for Jesus. Uh, some first realities that are kind of playing out for him. And, and tonight, he's going to unpack a little bit of this very first message that Jesus preaches that he has recorded here in the Gospel of Luke. And, and I believe Luke is recording this because of the intentionality of what Jesus is driving to here. And that as a church, as we've been looking at these foundations of kind of saying, what is the foundation of a kingdom calling? And the foundation of the church as we kind of try to recenter ourselves and kind of get back to the mission of what we're about. It's important for us, I think, to understand this passage. It's important for us to understand the things that we've been talking through because it's part of that kingdom culture. It's part of that kingdom mission. And Jesus is going to lay out some mission here. And you think back through the Gospel of Luke, you just even breeze through chapter 3 and chapter 4 a little bit, and you kind of see Jesus at his baptism. It's the first time we hear God the Father speaking over God the Son. And remember what he said, this is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And if you think about it, Jesus hadn't done an ounce of ministry yet. Hadn't done a thing of ministry and God the Father is speaking over God the Son about identity. This is who you are. And this is the favor, the blessing. Jesus is led out by the Spirit, tempted in the desert uh, by the devil's schemes to try to get him off mission. And he withstands that. He comes back. He has pretty significant ministry kind of north of the area that we're going to get to and look at now. And now he's kind of returning home toward the Sea of Galilee area, the region there. And this is toward Nazareth where he grew up. 
And now he approaches the synagogue that he grew up at. And he goes in, as was his habit. So Jesus made church a priority, and it was a part of the reality of what he lived and how he modeled and a part of what he did. And into this moment, he goes into the synagogue there, and he begins to, to talk about and, and give his first sermon. So I don't know if the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him, and that just happened to be the reading that night or that day, or he chose that. But the scroll of Isaiah, and he unscrolls because that's kind of the reality of what it was. It wasn't a book form like you and I have today, but he unrolls this scroll, and here's what he reads. Luke 4, 18 through 21. It's actually quoting from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and here's what he says. Uh, so he reads this part. He opens it up, reads to this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I'm assuming Jesus elaborated more, but Luke is unpacking some first here. And what he's recording in his gospel account, the account of the life and the teaching, the healings, the ministry, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is significant. It's intentional. And so he's recording a first here because, in essence, what Luke is saying is, you want to know what Jesus is all about, then let me tell you about his first sermon. Let me tell you about the first time he showed up in his hometown and he read and what he read and what he was about. And then the whole rest of the gospel of Luke is really kind of unpacking this whole first message. You're beginning to see it in different expressions, in, in different ways that it begins unpacked and played out for the world to see. But Luke is saying, listen up, here it is. If you want to know what it's about, what's fascinating here is if you were to turn to Isaiah 61 and you read verses 1 through 2, what's fascinating to me is not what Jesus read, but what Jesus didn't read. Because he stops halfway through verse 2 of Isaiah 61. And I'm sure it caught the attention of the people who were living in that first century context because the second part of verse 2 in Isaiah 61 is probably what they were holding on to. It's probably what they were clinging to and what they believed the Messiah was coming to do. But Jesus didn't read that part. He read the first verse in the first part of verse 2. And this collection of verses is really a description of saying, listen, I've come to fulfill what God has promised. That God promises to heal and restore and comfort and to free and to release all as a sign of God's love and his favor. And Jesus is declaring once again to you and to me and to those folks in that time at that place. God loves you. He has a passion to know you. Truly, this is the year, the age of God's favor. And, and so what you don't see, if you were to go read right now, Isaiah 61, verse 2, is the last part of that verse says, in, in, the, uh, in, in the day of vengeance of our God. He, he left that part off. 
And what you begin to wrestle with a little bit, if you just kind of sit there for a second, is you understand that uh, if that happened in our churches today, we would maybe see it as an omission of political correctness. Well, that seems kind of dangerous. Let's not talk about that part. But in the first century Nazareth, that, that would have been the epitome of political incorrectness. Because you're talking to an oppressed people. You're talking to a people who are under the thumb of Rome and who are suppressed and held in some amount of captivity and they desired the Messiah would overthrow their oppressors and establish a new realm and a new reign. And surely Jesus realizes that when the Messiah comes, the enemies of his people are going to pay. But Jesus didn't read that part. That's fascinating to me. Why? Because Jesus understands what the people didn't understand that day. And Jesus understands what I think we struggle to understand. That our foe and our enemy, it's not the people who are different than us. Your foe and your enemy is actually much bigger than you realize. Your foe and enemy is not just someone who has a different opinion than you. See, in our culture, we, we tend to say, well, if you have a different opinion, well, then you're the enemy. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's, that's shallow. That's small. The enemy is actually much bigger than you can even get your mind around a little bit. And don't get stuck there. That you fail to recognize that the Lord came to vanquish a greater foe than humanity realized that it had. And one day he will come again and he will set the record right and he will establish his righteous reign and rule. And he will deal with his foes one day. And listen, you don't want to be a foe of Jesus. You want to be a friend of Jesus. And this is your season to be his friend. That's what Jesus is declaring. See, the act of Jesus is a two-act play, if you think about it. When you read through the scriptures, you realize that he came this first time to deal with the enemy of death, to deal with the enemy of Satan, and to say, listen, this is, this is going to end, and, and I'm going to rule, and I will deal with it in the end, and I will set it right, but right now, I'm opening a window and a reality and an opportunity and an invitation to find, to find your way home into relationship with God. And that we are living in act one. Act two will come someday. And you want to deal with Jesus in act one. Let me just remind you. You don't want to deal with Jesus in act two. Act one is the opportunity to set the captives free. It's really kind of set with this whole idea of the year of Jubilee. That in a Jewish cultural context, they'd understand that every 50 years there would be this year of jubilee. It's when uh, captives were set free and debts were forgiven and the return and the release of things. It was a season of God's immense kindness. And it was to be practiced among the people. And friends, we are in that season. The reality of God and his activity at work in this world is different than just the hype of empty pursuits and the pain of failed endeavors that he is proclaiming a good news. 
evangelizizo is the, the Greek word, uh, this idea, and that's hard to say, uh, but it's this idea of, that we're proclaiming, the availability of the good news of the gospel. The availability of the good news is here and, and available now. You want to seize this opportunity. It is brought before you, and you want it, and you want to seize it now. It's the release of captives. That the things that hold you captive, that we should be mobilizing as a church and as a people to say, listen, let's release people from the captivity. The captivity of bitterness or anger or addictions or unforgiveness or greed or pride or whatever is captured their heart that is holding them back from living the life, the abundant life that Jesus said, I've come to offer you an abundant life. And it's not found in the directions that you take. It's found in following after me. And you will experience it if you choose to do so. That we're to work against unjust captivity of our time. The trafficking of people. The oppression of the unjust and poverty that's overwhelming. The prejudice that wrongly hurts people and holds them hostage. That we're to be people of justice for one and justice for all. That we to live out and it should grieve our hearts when people who are made in the image of God are still held captive by a foreign power, whatever that power is even internally that's captivated them, they are missing out on the spiritual freedom that Christ has extended in this season of the year of the Lord's favor. And that's the call of the church, is to call people who are held captive that there is a different way. There is an opportunity that's before you. And you don't have to choose to be a hostage, and you don't have to choose to be held captive. You can live in freedom and to call people to that, and that we are not to be held in captivity as well as we follow after Christ, that the grace of Christ has met us as a follower of Jesus. That's why Paul writes Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves become burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and to saddle up with him and, and let him guide you through life and then leave you to a sense of freedom that you cannot manufacture on your own. It's freedom for the oppressed, that we allow Jesus to declare a liberty into our lives and into those who are oppressed by powerless and abused by the heartless, that the Bible is strewn with references to stand in the gap for the orphan, the widow, the disadvantaged, and the sojourner that we as a church are to stand up and in the gap for people who are struck in those ways. That's why it warms my heart every single time I see an adoption story because that's the story of grace. That's the story of a whole new identity that that child did not seek out on their own but was freely given to them. And for some of you, that's your story. You've adopted, and that's such a story of the gospel. It's such a beautiful reality. I'm moved by the ways that our church has, has sought to bring the hope and the light of Jesus into the heart of our city over the last eight years. You think back to all the different ways from the, the thousands of pounds of food that's been given out to help people with food insecurities to the, the ways that we've come alongside and worked with group homes and schools and community groups and the nonprofits that we've partnered with 
the way we started a Compassion Church and Children's Center in Ecuador, and some of you are still sponsoring those children and writing to them, and that you are changing their life. Not because they chose you, but because you chose them. That's the call of the church. That's the mission Jesus established. That's why he stood up in the synagogue and said, here's what I've come to do. And friends, Jesus did that. And now he's released his church to be about the same thing, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to release the oppressed, to bring justice where it needs to be brought, to bring a grace and a hope. And as long as it's the year of the Lord's favor, as long as we're in act one, we must commit to being like Jesus and to living out the mission that he modeled that he demonstrated and that he passed on to his people to say this is what we're about. We are to be the proclaimers, that we are to be the people who say here and now and available right here, the grace of Jesus is for you. And you may think you're too far gone, friend, but you are never too far gone for the grace of Jesus. And so we proclaim that. Maybe the question to wrestle with for ourselves is, are you and I bearers and bringers of the good news of God's grace into the situations of life that we encounter? That when we show up into those situations, are we a bearer or a bringer of the good news of God's grace and that it lingers after we've left? Or did we bring something else that isn't good news? Friends, we live in a world that brings everything but good news. So be different. That's the call of the church. We could be like everybody else. You know what? That's easy. That's natural. What's supernatural is to be a bearer and a bringer of God's good news into each situation and each circumstance that comes our way, and to step into those moments and to say, Jesus, this is what you do, and I want to do more and more of that, and I want to be aligned with that. We live in the year of the Lord's favor. Year in Greek is literally the cycle of time is what it means. That's why we're in between Act 1 and Act 2. The church has been commissioned uh, to, to bring the year of the Lord's favor and continue on with the mission that Jesus had. What's fascinating to me about Luke 4 and Jesus' first message, which was incredibly intentional, you don't stop reading in the middle of a verse unless you have intentionality of it. And that's what Jesus did. This is what I'm about right now. Now, the second part of that verse, well, that's act two. And it will happen. And you want to deal with me now. Not then. And so in Act 1, this is what I'm about. And, and I want the church, Jesus is saying, to be about that as well. What's fascinating to me is you fast forward to Luke chapter 7, and here's what you'll find. John the Baptist, remember, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the first one, remember? First, intentionality. The first one to announce Jesus is coming. And here we find John in prison. In fact, he's getting ready to be beheaded. He doesn't know that yet. But that's what's going to happen in his life. 
and he's writing back to Jesus. He sends messengers, his, uh, some of his followers back to Jesus. And here's the question he asks Jesus. Jesus, are you the real deal? Like, I was convinced that you are the Messiah, but I don't see you overthrowing anything right now. I see you doing this other stuff, and that's good, but I'm in prison, and I don't like how my story is more than likely going to end. And so I just want to know, did I put my saddle on the right horse? Are you really the Messiah, Jesus? And you know what Jesus quotes to John, to those messengers that are going to go back to him? He doesn't say yes. You know what he says? Luke chapter 4. He says, you go tell John. The blind are beginning to see. The oppressed are released. The dead rise again. The year of the Lord's favor is on the move. John, I am he. And I am up to what I've come to do. And blessed is the one who doesn't lose sight of that. John, your situation may not change. But I am changing and transforming situations. Believe me. And he quotes Isaiah 61. To confirm again what I said at the beginning. The first time, I meant it. And it is a demonstration of what I'm about. He reiterates it. John, take heart. I am he, and I am at work. And so maybe a couple practical pullouts from this passage for us is simply this, that Jesus' mission is the church's mission. That as the Father sent Jesus to be about this, Jesus sends the church that Jesus sends the church. Jesus met his disciples after the resurrection and just before his return to heaven, here's what he said in John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We are to live as sent ones on the same mission that Jesus was on. That disciples of Jesus are an extension of his mission in the world. We're being like him in suffering and serving Others, that he is the light of the world and we are called the light of the world to bring his hope and his light into the hearts of people, that we are sent as active agents into the world to bring more of the kingdom of heaven and how it operates in heaven down here to how it operates here on earth. That is our mission. Friend, listen to me. That is your mission. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not about your comfort. It's about your calling. Can you be comfortable at times? Sure, enjoy that. But it's about your calling. You gotta live for something deeper and something bigger and something better than just your comfort. Because Jesus did. And he said, look, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And that means some things. That means we're going to have to sacrifice at times. That means we're going to have to get uncomfortable a little bit. That means we're going to have to give beyond ourselves and to look beyond ourselves. The church is to extend the kingdom reach of Jesus everywhere we go in every way we can. That's our calling. And the church is the body of Christ. That just as our bodies are what people see of us, so the church is what people see of Christ. That is a haunting question. 
that just like my body is what you see of me, well, the church is the body of Christ. It's what people see of Jesus. Let's just ask the honest question. Do people like what they see? Are are people attracted to what they see? Are, Are they captivated by the compassion of the church? Or are they repelled by the condemnation of the church? This is the challenge. This is the opportunity for us as the church to say, listen, we want to make sure you're seeing the real Jesus, not a pseudo thing or image about him. We want it to be real and authentic. Therefore, the mission of Christ, what he performed in his physical body, he's now passed on to the church, the body of Christ, to put on display. Everything Jesus said and did was to grow our trust in him and call us to imitate him. That everything he did tethers our faith to him, and it calls us to action for him. That we're to be on the move. Um, I was a junior high pastor at once, and uh, that's why I still like dumb humor. Um, But as a junior high pastor, when you have a bunch of junior hires in the room, you have to be creative. And, and so I remember we would do occasionally from time to time what we would call room rush. And, and all that was is we cleared out all the chairs. So I want you to kind of picture all the chairs out of here. And you're now in the game called room rush. And what it simply would be is we would put a, a, something up on the screen and we would say from the microphone, uh, we're giving you a choice. And you've got to rush to the side of the room that you would choose. And so maybe uh, as we would list out certain things, if you're a person who loves dogs, go to this side of the room. If you're a person who likes cats, go to this side of the room. And so you're picturing even right now, where am I? Am I a dog person or am I a cat person? And maybe you're thinking, I'm a dog person because that's what you should be. And so like, that's what Jesus was. And so like, you're over there on that side and you're looking over to the cat people and you're like, why? I don't understand. Maybe are you a car person or a truck person? And so you rush to the truck side because that's how you are. Or maybe you rush to the car because you're like, uh, gas is expensive and I like to get around and, and so I like to travel. So wherever you are in that, maybe you think about your movie munchies. Are you a popcorn person at the movies or are you a candy and chip type person at the movies? And if you're a candy and chip person, why are you on this side of the room? I don't know who hurt you, but like popcorn is where it's at. And so we have this room rush and the reality is we got older, but we still rush to sides of the room. Democrat, Republican. What side did you rush to? I know you did. What's fascinating when you study the life of Jesus is he was so quick to rush to the side of people. Did he have words about issues? Yes. Did he have teachings about that? Yes. In fact, some of his harshest words for the people who thought they were self-righteous. Who did he put on blast? The religious people. That's who he put on blast. Why? Because they rushed to the side not to the side of people. 
What's Jesus declaring in Luke 4? I'm for people. I'm for people who are blinded to the reality that they are not, that they can't uh, be self-reliant. And so much of our culture is about self-reliance. And I can do it. And people are blinded to that. And they get blinded to a posture of self-reliance. And Jesus is saying, look, if you will let go of your self-reliance, I have come to rescue you. I'm here for the blind. They've been blinded by something. They've been blinded by the allure of what this world has to offer. And it has blinded them to the reality of what they really need. So I'm here to give sight to the blind. I'm here to rush to the side of people who are held captive by so many things that occupy their mind. But the very thing that they need is a relationship with me. And they miss it because they've they've said yes to so many other things and it's captivated them and now they're oppressed by it. But I'm rushing to the side of people because I want them to see. Jesus declares over and over and over through the Gospels, I am for people. Church, is that what we declare? Is that what you declare by your actions and how you live your life and how I live my life? Do I rush to the sides of issues or to the sides of things and I cannot understand how someone can be on the other side? I don't get it. And so I dig my heels in. And who am I around? Myself. And I haven't gone to the side of people who need it. Listen, are we going to have differences? Yes. But we better rush to the side of people faster than the side of issues. Because that's how the church declares I'm for you. Even if I disagree with you. Even if I don't quite understand, I'm for you. Why? Because Jesus was for me. we got to be more like that. We get to be more like that if we choose to. And that's the opportunity that we have before us is to say, Jesus, you're for people. You are for me. Help me to be for people. He longs for his church to make a proclamation of good news. Why? Because we're still in act one. It's the year of the Lord's favor. It's the cycle of time. It's the season to proclaim good news is still here and it's available. And you want to get to know Jesus as your friend because you don't want him as your foe. And so now is the window. Now is the time. Being for something will actually require something of you. Being against something takes almost no work at all. Anybody can critique But being for something and being for people takes effort and it takes principle and it takes sacrifice and even takes some misunderstanding at times. But the Jesus community that emerged from the first century became characterized by love and equality and generosity and sacrifice and caring for the marginalized and their sacrificial outreach began to reach with the gospel, to begin to reshape the world around them. And it reshaped all of history that we look back on. And I believe this Jesus movement is still on the move. I believe the church is to be for people. And it's still on the move in and through his church and in and through you and I. The next generation is looking for an alternative to simply some more hype or more hate. 
They want more hope. The church is the vehicle to deliver it. Why? Because we have the message of hope. A God who is for you, because he was for me. And I don't understand it, and I don't deserve it, and I don't know why he picked me, but he did. And you know what? The opportunity is here for you too. He's for you. The church is still the hope for the world. It's part of the very mission of Jesus. So the question I asked earlier is the question I'll ask again. Are you a bearer or bringer of the good news wherever you go? Maybe that's the key question that we need to individually wrestle with. Jesus, this week, would you help me to be a bringer of good news to people? In in the situations, the circumstances, the scenarios that I find myself in, your Savior is your tag team partner. That's why he said, yoke up with me. That means you have a tag team partner. It's not all on you. Woo! You're, You're saddled up with him. And you're to bring his hope and light wherever you go. What if you just left tonight with a simple mission? God, I want to bless someone this week. I want to show them that you're for them. And I'm going to show that because I'm going to be for them. What if you just made that your prayer this week? God, would you show me who? Who's the one? I want to do for one what I wish I could do for everybody. I can't fix everything. But I could do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. And so what if we just all lived as a sent one to help expand the reach of Jesus into our here and now? And so, Father, that's what we pray for. As we lean back into worship, as we close our time, Jesus, let us be overwhelmed again by the fact that you are for us. You didn't make us walk an obstacle course or or to figure out some scavenger hunt to make our way to you. You came to us. Why? Because you're for us. You're for our best. And so for many in this room, we have said yes to you, Jesus, simply because you sought us out first. We love because you first loved us. God, we want to be a church that is known by what we're for, not what we're against. Being known for what you're against is so easy. It's the wimpy way out. We want to be courageous. And we won't always get it right. But we want to get better this year and next year and the year after that and the year after that of being proclaimers of the good news. The year of the Lord's favor that he is for you. He is with you. So God, in this song, would you stir us to pray that prayer tonight? God, show us one person this week that we could be for on behalf and in partnership with you that they might see that you're for them. Doesn't mean we agree on everything or every action or every habit, but we're for them because you are. God, stir our hearts. And in this song, would you refresh us? May we claim the identity that Jesus' mission is my mission. And I want to get better at that.
Some powerful words were spoken today. Lord, help us to take those words in. To really let you search our hearts and say, man, we are the body of Christ. And we want to display before the world a merciful God. A God full of love and a God full of freedom. Lord, we need to be empowered by you, Lord. Give us that boldness. Give us that courage that Jack talked about tonight that we'd be able to step into the middle of the battles that are going on. Say, wait a minute, guys. Maybe we're missing the whole picture. Maybe we just need to be for each other. Maybe we just need to show each other mercy and kindness and forgiveness. Lord, show us how to be your hands and feet. Show us how to bring a message of hope. That is who you are, and that is who we want to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, just a few announcements before we close tonight. Uh, Jack had mentioned at the beginning of the service uh, the hand sanitizer. I know we're all probably over, overdone with hand sanitizers, but it is important. We want to be a blessing to the school. Uh, so next Sunday is that last Sunday. So if you can do it by next Sunday, that'd be great. Um, and again, October 40, 24th, a Saturday morning, uh, you go onto our app to sign up to help us move. Again, it'd be a huge blessing to us. There's only a few of us right now. So if you've got that morning free, go on the app, sign up, and join us over at the offices. Um, if you have any questions, you can talk to me, Jack, uh, Matt, Lyle. Any of us could probably help you figure that out. Um, but we'd love you to sign up and help us out there. And then finally, tonight, uh, most of you probably know, we're having our town hall meeting. Uh, the board of our church is going to be up here to share some things with you guys, hopefully clarify some things, but then also open it up. If you guys got questions, concerns, uh, things to be praying about, whatever. Um, so we invite all of you guys uh, who consider this your home church to hang out afterwards and partake in that. If you're not able to be here, if you're at home today and you're not able to be here, um, there's going to be another town hall, basically the same kind of thing, and it's going to be on a Zoom. And that starts 7.30 p.m. Wednesday, the 14th. So if you know of somebody that wanted to be here tonight, couldn't be here tonight, that's the night to, to sign up for the Zoom. And, um, and you again, once again, that is on our app. So if you have any questions, talk to one of us, one of the pastors, one of the leaders, and we can help guide you. But hopefully that's all self-explanatory. So finally, Father, just, yeah, I just want to pray for our board and our church tonight. Uh, Lord, may you be able to speak some things out clearly through the board and they get a chance to express their hearts and where they're at and what's going on so that we can just all have a great sense of peace that there's a process, we're following, we're praying, we're praying for each other, we're praying for our church uh, because God, we want you to guide us and we want you to lead us all to the thing that you're calling all of us to do and to be. And so Lord, just bless tonight. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night. See you guys later.